Life Community is located in Gilbert, Arizona. You can learn more about us on our website at lifecommunityaz.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. David, could you give me some water, please? How you all doing? Okay, well, I'm glad to see you anyway. I, I tell you what, uh, thank you, sir. I do appreciate Put it right over here because I am going to preach so long, I will need lots of water. That's not true. Anyway, um, I got a lot to say. Girls, would you bring the, uh, the, the thing up here? Uh, my lovely assistants. Yes, there they are. Oh, look at that one-man show there. I tell you, she is strong. <laughs> What'd she say? No, no, no. The reason Hannah prayed that the Bengals win, because if they win, it's going to be an act of God. <laughs> Mike Strauss, if you're listening anywhere in, in Internet land, uh, he's an L.A. fan and always has been. And uh, I am too now that the Cardinals lost. How I many of you know what I'm saying? I can, I can go either way. And so I hope that uh, Stafford or what's his name gets it. And, and anyway, Burroughs has lots of time. Anyway, that's, that's my uh, thing on that. I'm so excited about what I'm saying today, last week, today, and next week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. My notes are to keep me in line. Who's ever given a story and you realize that when you're telling the story, you gave the back and you should have told it in the front. And, and anybody ever do that? You get so excited in your story. And so my notes are hopefully going to keep me on track. And so, and I've got, I've got some great artwork here done by, uh, I get paid extra for that. Anyway, Jesus came with his message and his message wasn't get saved and then go to heaven and walk on streets of gold and strum a harp and sit on the cloud or any of that kind of stuff. Jesus' message was the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is anywhere where Jesus reigns, where Jesus rules. almost forgot my number one prop. Where Jesus rules and reigns is the kingdom of God. And so his message was that. Matter of fact, he told his disciples when he'd gotten together for the first time, he says, now when you pray, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is not a location. Don't say it's here or there. He says, but the kingdom of God is within you. So the truth of it is why I'm so excited about this message of the kingdom of God. It is where it's a, it's a matter of the heart. It's not a location. It's not the right church or the right time and the right antics and all that kind of stuff. It is the, a matter of, of a condition of your own heart. So the Pharisees were just so jealous of Jesus because the crowds loved him. He was speaking to them. He had, they understood him and they didn't want to listen to the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law. And so they were jealous as can be. And then Jesus kept alluding to this, uh, that he's the son of God, which in, in Jewish tradition makes him God. And they thought, I can't be saying that. And sure enough, he kept, he kept saying things like that. And they, they, they're so jealous, they want to kill him, but they can't kill him because they're jealous, because that just doesn't fly. And so they, they bring him before him. They, they hire some false witnesses to testify that he did say he was the son of God. And they finally asked, so Jesus, are you the son of God? He said, yes. And they just, they just went nuts. They tore their clothes and said, look at the blasphemy. We, we, uh, we, we've heard enough. And then they understand that charges of blasphemy are not going to make the Romans kill him. They, they, they're to kill and crucify people was taken away from them. And so they went to the Romans and they said, he claims to be a king. So they went from blasphemy to sedition and they finally made their charges stick. And so Jesus uh, was crucified because he claimed to be a king. See, Rome didn't care who you worshiped. 
They don't care. Have many gods. Have a million gods. Your family gods, Jupiter, whatever. Have your own gods, but you will obey Caesar. Now, that was not popular in, in, in the early church because we, we our, our ancestors, they loved Jesus, but they gave their allegiance to their king. And they really did have a different king. And yet they were instructed to keep the Roman law and all that kind of stuff. But they really did have a different king. And so the umbrella. Oh, did I tell you the mark of success I hit this week? I am a successful person. You know why? A little kid comes to chapel this week. They, they do chapel in here. And a little kid saw this thing laying on the, on the, on the stage. And one little kid says, what is that? And he said, it's an umbrella. So the little kids asked, how come they have an umbrella in the church? And the third grader explained to his friend that the pastor said it was the kingdom of God and you had to get under it. So the truth of it is, if a third grader can understand what I'm saying, we're there. Now, I know all of you are highly intellectuals. So I wouldn't expect to reach, you know, the full spectrum of, of your brainiac ways. But I just thought I'd hold it. It's getting under. See, the kingdom of God is like this umbrella. If I'm under it, I stay dry. Now I'm holding it, so it's going to follow me wherever I go. But the truth is, the kingdom of God sometimes goes where I don't want to go. And I can either get wet or I can get under it. Simple as that. If I want to get wet, then I won't get under it. But if I'm tired of having my self-beat up by the devil all day long, I'm going to get under the protection and the covering of the kingdom of God. It is a wonderful place to be. We talked last week. Do you think that this umbrella is restrictive or protective? Is it primary? You just got to stay here. You can't go out and do that. No, 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 you really can't and stay under the kingdom. But if I'll stay under it, it'll protect me. All parts of my life, it protects. And so that's my... That's my message. So now, gentlemen and ladies, I, I, uh, gentlemen especially, I mean, ladies, you don't have to listen to this because you know the answer already. How many of you know when you were born, your mama did all the work? How many know she was in labor, not you? And you might have left your little warm, uh, the dark place of you know comfort and all that and come into the bright lights in this cold delivery room and the doctor, I don't think they slapped children I don't know if they ever did but and that first that, that first cry that you know that cry and that trauma that had experience for you coming out was through your own good so you could draw the breath of life and you could your lungs they turned you upside down the lungs cleared out and you received the breath of life and that's about all you had to do with you being born I'm convinced that's all that we really had to do with us being born again is Jesus. How many know Jesus was in labor? He paid the price. He did everything. And we were brought into this world and we go, ah, yes, Lord. Ah, the breath of life comes in. And that's the beginning. And so the truth is Jesus did the heavy lifting. And I think entering the kingdom is we learn how to receive and not take. See, Jesus said it. He said it in John, uh, excuse me, Matthew 11. He said, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And I've been in church forever and that's been used by many preachers. The kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it by force. So let's go get them. We're the army of God and let's get them. And, they, rah, rah. and everybody says, yeah, yeah. And Jesus said, until now, that used to be the way it works. It doesn't work that way anymore. How many know God doesn't need an army? He's looking for a bride. 
And gentlemen, I don't know how many of you were looking for someone to fight with when you got married, but you were probably looking for a lover. <laughs> looking for a lover and found somebody to fight with. Anyway, that's... <laughs> And so it, the, the kingdom of God is not a matter of clawing your way to the top. Well, look at what G, uh, Philippians 2, 5 says. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus was God in the form of God. But he didn't regard equality with God something to be clawed at, clutched at. Grasp, uh, a, it's, it's, it's Jesus is the mighty warrior, we are not. See, the kingdom of this world, their MO is to clutch, claw, grasp, try to get it. And the truth is, the kingdom of God world is you let life come to you. You mean you sit around? No, I'm not talking about sitting around all day. God will keep you very active, very busy about his business. But I think rather than trying to claw, you clutch your way to the top, you let life come to you and you walk in obedience to the king and you'll be surprised at where it'll end you up. And so the whole issue of trying to claw our way to the kingdom. And so uh, let's, let's go to point number one. The great rebellion, failed reformer, and the ultimate redeemer. Now what I'm going to talk to you about today are not just random events that I just happened to talk about. I think they're covered of God's plans. They're sequential order. And there's no secret doctrine. What I'm saying today is not like, whoa, the special revelation. No one knows. Every minister that I know believes all this stuff. So if it's, something's new to you, this is not weird Delmerism. Uh, it's just uh, maybe presented in a different way. And so uh, do you understand that there are three archangels? There was Lucifer, there was uh, Gabriel, and there was Michael. Michael was a warring angel. Gabriel was a messenger angel. That's why anytime there was a message given, it was Gabriel the one that did it. And Lucifer. Now, Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. He's the one that the choirs and the chorus of heaven and the praise that went day and night. He's the one that directed that, created all that. And all of that would go to God until one day Lucifer said, hey, what about me? And so Isaiah 14, 12 talks about it. He said, how you are fallen from heaven, Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut to the ground, for you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above God. I will make myself like the most high God. And so what he said is, wait a minute, I'm tired of all this going to the big guy here. What about me? And I want it for myself. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself like God. And in one sense, that sounds somewhat noble. Well, he wants to be like God. Isn't that great? No, no, he wasn't. He wants to ascend above God. And he wanted all those accolades, all that stuff to go to him. I believe that that's why music in the world is so destructive because the originator, not a Christian, and I'm not talking, I'm not going there, but the, Lucifer was the worship leader. John Philip Sousa said, you write the laws, I'll write the music, and I'll control a nation. That's 150 years ago. And the truth of it is, you write whatever laws you want to, but the music that gets fed out is the one that really controls people's mindsets, behaviors, and, and values. But that's a whole other subject another time. But Lucifer, so what God did, God cast Lucifer out of heaven down to the earth. That's why he, Satan was here. 
and the word Satan, Lucifer, and, and uh, the devil, they're all three of the same person. One's Hebrew, one's Greek, and uh, Lucifer speaks of the archangel before he fell. Anyway, so when Adam and Eve got here, these, uh, this devil was already on the ground. And so the disciples are out and they're doing their mission and ministry. And they come back to Jesus so excited. And they said, Jesus, this is wonderful. Even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus says, that's great. He says, you know, I was there when I saw Satan fall out of heaven. This is Luke 10. Fall out of heaven and come to the earth. He said, I saw him when he was cast down. So God creates Adam and Eve. And he comes and he sends them to the earth to reclaim God's rule on this earth. That's why the planet earth is so important to God. God sends Adam and Eve in order that he might reclaim the earth as God's to establish God's throne, to establish God's rule, what we would call to establish the kingdom of God. Are you with me so far? So he's already there in the garden. God creates this garden, and, um, and you know the story that, uh, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Let's go to Genesis 127. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, when it says created him in his image, he doesn't mean with two eyes and nose and two ears and, and, and whatever color hair you have. It's not that image. See, Adam was to come and establish God's rule and establish God's image on this earth. And it certainly isn't physical. All Christians don't look the same. Various degrees and, and everybody looks different. So there's the image of God. It's not that everybody looks like, or that God somehow looks like a man. That, that's not it at all. God says, Adam, I want you to go into the earth and I want you to establish my image in the earth. Um, and so he says, and here's what I'm going to do. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase and fill and subdue it. Rule over every creature. He said, Adam, I want you to claim this earth as my throne, as my, as under, my, under my jurisdiction, as it were, under my rule. And so I want you to establish my image on this earth. So if I had to say quickly, and I'm, I'm not going there, but if I had to say quickly about the image of God, what would I say that is? The image of God is basically love. There's lots of images that I could talk about, but the image of God is basically love. And when Adam fell like he did, the image of this world is basically selfish. Another word for sin is really selfishness. When you're choosing your own comforts, needs, whatever it is you choose above somebody else's well-being, it's really a selfish act. And so that's what, that's what God established. And so he is, he is letting them know that their goal and their mission was to establish his throne on this earth. Number two, I want you to understand the death line. When I first understood this 40 some odd years ago. So here's what God says. Well, let me just read it. Verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man and, and the woman, not just Adam, but and the woman. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. So he says, Adam. But all, the, all these trees are yours, and any tree that I'm giving you, have a good time. Now, these trees were not really trees. These are an analogy that God is making. How many of you know it wasn't just the apple tree, orange tree, peach tree? When he's talking about trees, he's talking about the things in life that God says, Adam, I'm putting them under your jurisdiction. Now, you enjoy them. 
natural things of life, enjoy them. Anything that I give you is for your, is for your enjoyment, is for your pleasure, and I want you to learn how to rule. See, I really think that this life is officer's training for the one yet to come. Listen to me. This is not just a test run. This is not just a practice drill. This is officer's training for what will be in the world yet to come. And so God says, Adam, uh, uh, anything I give you, uh, enjoy it, take care of it, and have a good time with it. But he says, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, it's not just a, a, a cognizant understanding of right and wrong. It's when he says knowing, it's, it's experiencing. He says, I don't want you to experience uh, the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So now here we have the creator. This is the creator. And the creature. Now, which one are you? Are you the creator or are you the creature? Just want to make sure we got all of this. Well, I have four kids, so I created some. No, no, no. <laughs> we are the creature, not the creator. And so God says, there's all kinds of things I'm going to give you, and I want you to have a good time with them. Enjoy them. Learn to develop. Uh, one of the things that this is, I, I hate to say it this early in the sermon because all the young people, young men anyway in the crowd, I lose their attention for the rest of the service. How many know sex was given from God as, a, as enjoyment and pleasure and let the good times roll? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Pastor, it's bad. It's evil. Thank you. I appreciate the doubt. I mean, the, uh, the uh, guilt. He says, but there's things that are here that on the day you eat it, this is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Things that are not given to you. And he says, the day you eat this, you're going to die, like my pen did. Come on, Red, hold out for me. We need to take a special offering and get pens at X. <laughs> I don't know where they're at, and I go find another one if you can. Because the day you eat of it, you're going to die. Now, see, nobody in the garden had died up to that spot. And so when they, they thought die would mean heart attack and fall over dead, no, 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 he wasn't talking about that. He said possibilities are going to die for you. Possibilities that could be, it'll die. And the day you eat it, and so, and so the devil comes to them, and he tells them the big lie. We call it the big lie. Satan's there already in the garden. And he says, uh, did God really say you can cross this line? Because, you know, this is where the good stuff is. This is where the good stuff is, right up here. And uh, did God really say that? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, God said, because the day we eat of it, we're going to die, and so we should never go there. And, and the devil says, you're not going to die. The truth of it is, God is worried because he doesn't want you to be like him. And he knows the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be opened, and you're going to be like God. Really? I can be like God, sure. And you won't have to follow those dumb rules anymore, live by under that restrictive umbrella anymore. You can be your own God. You just have to do it on your own terms. 
And so Adam and Eve, the suckers that they were, they said, well, yeah. So they went and ate of the forbidden fruit, as it were. They ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the thing that God told them not to do. And the day you're going to eat of it, they die. It's really not eating an apple out of a tree. Somebody said it wasn't the apple in the tree. It was the pear on the ground. Oh. So it's, it's not like they ate of the, oh, they ate the apple. It's, I know that's symbolized, and that's a good symbolism. It's a good analogy. But the truth is we're not really talking about uh, fruit. We're talking about crossing a line that God says don't cross. And the day you eat of it, you're going to die because there is a death line. Here, enjoy yourself with everything that's been given to you. See, I think your career is a gift to you. Do you want to be an engineer? Do you want to be a, a, a carpenter? Do you want to be a contractor? Do you want to be a real estate agent? I think those choices are yours. I really think being a pastor was a choice God gave me. It's not like he called me and now i got to do this God-awful job. No, 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 no. I could have chosen to use my gifts that I have any way I want to. Well, I thought you had a special calling. You had to be a, no, 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 that's, that's not true. I do have a calling, but it's not, it's not vocationally tied. I think part of the mess of the church is we tie ministry to vocation, and that's a crazy thing to do. Another subject, another sermon, another subject, another. And so he says, the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open. So they ate of it, and God comes down. See, God says, I want to be with you, but I'm going to come down with you on my terms. You can't come up here, but I'll come down to you. In the cool of the day, what would God do? He would come down to the garden and fellowship with them and he'd say, how's it going? And he'd say, what kind of day did you have? And they and God would get along. And God says, I'm going to come down on my terms, but not yours. See, that's the whole issue of salvation of Christianity. We get to God, but it's on his terms. Amen. Through Jesus. That's the only way to get there. It's, it's great to be a good person and do good things and give money and all those kind of wonderful things. That's a great thing, but that will not get you here. Getting to this thing, what, you cross a death line and things happen. And so Adam was sent there for the purpose of establishing the kingdom of God. And so when the first Adam failed... Romans says God sent a second Adam. Second Adam way back then? No, no, no. It was about 5,000 years later, the second Adam, who was Jesus, came to do what the first Adam did not do, was to defeat hell in his own spot Amen. and rise victorious and establish God's rule on this earth. So read it. I've got those scriptures are in your bulletin. I just can't put them all in, but... Read it there. It's, it's what God chose to do with the second Adam. We call him Jesus, is to go to hell, take the keys, the authority from Satan himself, and bring it up and to open the doors of light and life for the world to know that God rules and God reigns. And that was his eternal purpose, and that's exactly what God's going to do eventually. And we're in the process of that. And the wonderful joy is we get to have a partnership with that. We get to join in with the God of all ages to participate with him in establishing his grand and glorious kingdom. But God says, don't go past what I've given you. Enjoy yourself here. Ask David. David was out uh, taking a walk one day and he sees Bathsheba and he says, whoa, I think I'll take her. And so he did. 
And uh, she gets pregnant, so he says, oh, no, I'm in trouble. And he has his, her husband murdered, Uriah. So the prophet comes to David, and he tells him a story about a guy that had lots of sheep and a guy that only had one little lamb. And the man who, instead of taking some of his sheep, took the man's only lamb. And so he said, David, what do you think ought to be done with this? And David says, I think it ought to be hung and shot and killed and all kinds of things happen. It dawns on Nathan. Nathan says, you know, David, you're the man. You're the guy that did that. Then Nathan says something really interesting to him. He says, you had lots of wives. And if you had wanted more, you could have had them. You're the king. You can kind of have whatever you want. But you didn't want more wives. You wanted that wife, and she's not yours. And when you murdered her husband and tried to make her yours, no, 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 you crossed the death line, and that caused David his problems for the rest of his life. He crossed the death line there, and all the wonderful things that David did, and he did some wonderful things, expanded Israel greater than it had ever been before, but he crossed the death line and brought all kinds of death into his family, and he suffered a lot for it. So the second Adam came to establish the rule of God. Then Genesis 3, let's go back to the garden again. Genesis, Genesis 3, 22, after they had eaten. And God comes down in the cool of the day like he always did. And he said, Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam, like a man, was hiding in his work, just staying busy, busy, busy. And so well, tilling the garden, that's what they did. And so he says, uh, where are you at? And he says, uh, uh, well, we heard you coming. And, uh, and so I was ashamed, naked and ashamed. And so the Lord says, who said you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? And then Adam said, well, of course, my wife's fault. And then the wife blamed the devil. And the devil, maybe he kicked the dog or whatever they do. I'm not going to that. And so, so here's what God's response to that. And the Lord God said, man has now become like one of us. God, are you jealous? Are you afraid they're going to take your spot? He's like one of us and he didn't even go to school. No, man's become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So God casts him out of the garden, puts an angel to guard the entrance to the garden so that Adam couldn't come back anymore lest he eat of the tree of life and his sin live forever. That's why there's death in the world, that your sin is not going to live forever. It will go when you do. And so lest they eat of the tree of life and the sin lives forever, God says there's going to be an end to this and there is an end to natural life. And so he said, you can't eat of this tree of life anymore. See, this was given to you. The good things were given to you. And now you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have problems and problems and problems. You're going to live in a ground that's been cursed by God with a body in a body with the sentence of death on it. And so God says, let's, let's cast them out. Now, see, good things out of sync are deadly. Talk about nuclear energy. Iran's on the verge of getting it, or they've already got it, or whatever, and the whole world is nervous. U.S. government says they'll never have a bomb. Israel hopes they never have a bomb. They said they got missiles. And so nuclear energy, a wonderful thing, provides electricity, all that kind of stuff. But in the wrong hands, it's very dangerous. Ask Alfred Nobel. A Swedish chemist 
who was a, a brilliant guy, invented dynamite and actually blasting caps and caused so much destruction in his life through dynamite. He was a, he was a bridge builder, uh, an engineer by trade, and uh, it's just easier to blast out rock when you had something like dynamite to use. So that was the purpose of the invention. Obviously, dynamite went into warfare, and it caused so much death that Nobel says, I want to leave all my money, and he was a rich man, to people who will do things for peace. So we have the Nobel Peace Prize that's given out uh, just out of the interest of what uh, Nobel did. So, so uh, good things out of sync, they, they really are deadly. Let's go to number three. The kingdom of God is taken, excuse me, is received, not taken. The kingdom of God is received and not taken. If I need $10 and I go to you and I say, boy, I'm, I'm a little short today, uh, could I have $10? And if you said, oh, sure, Pastor, here's $10 and you gave me $10, I would say thank you, I appreciate it so much, and on and on and on. And it would be a gift and I would be very grateful. But if you said, no, I don't want to give you $10 today, and I would say, oh, I, uh, that's, too, that's not good. And so I saw you leave, and I saw maybe your purse was open or your billfold was laying out there and had a kind of a $10 bill. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to. And I snuck over there, and I pulled a $10 bill out of your billfold or purse. That's not a gift. I've taken it, and I become a thief. When I receive what's been given to me, Thank you. Look what, look what uh, Hebrews 12, 28 says. Since we've received the kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be grateful and worship God with reverence and awe. Recipients of gifts that cannot be taken. We're not in this deal because we clawed our way to the top and we were good enough, by golly, and, and we did it right and you, you, we deserve it. And no, 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 we were given the gift uh, the, the kingdom was given to you. That's why our response is worship, thankfulness, reverence to God with incredible awe. Oh, God is so wonderful. You don't feel that way if you had to take it. And a lot of churches, a lot of people think they got to take it. They got to do right. And they got to be right. Now, all what they do, I tell you what, you will not have a whole lot of gratefulness in your heart if you're the one taking, not the one receiving. That'll help you guys when you see your attitude not being as grateful as you wish it were. So, there are some things from God. Now get ready for technology. Here it goes, ready? I know, I know. I say it's technology for old people and old people always get mad at me and sorry online. And I'm sure if I was smart as you, I would have better technology skills. But, <laughs> see, last night, I just wrote these on the board. And when I was writing the board, I, I, I didn't spell anything right. And by the time I was done, I couldn't even read it. <laughs> I know people who speak in tongues. I can write in tongues. So I, okay, there, <laughs> this right here, my friends, is a death line. It doesn't go this way anymore. In my little drawing, it goes right here. This is the death line. And um, so the kingdom is, so, so let's, let's talk about the communicable gifts from God. That's a communicable disease. Well, COVID is one of them. That's why they want to wear a mask and stand six feet apart and all that kind of stuff and be careful or whatever it is. I'm not getting on that. Heaven's sakes, everybody's so sensitive. But it's a communicable. And you can catch COVID from someone else or the flu or a cold or things like that. 
But see, some diseases aren't communicable, like cancer. If somebody's got cancer, you don't have to, oh, I better be careful, get around them, I might catch it. No, you're not going to catch it because it's non-communicable. Some of God's attributes are communicable, and you're supposed to catch them. And I'm so glad you asked me which ones they are. One of, this is not all of them. This is just a few. But when I had shout-outs come last night, and I'm trying to write them, it just, it just looked pitiful. So anyway, how many know love? God says, love one another as I have loved you. How many know that's one of God's commandments? And any of us can be like God anytime we want to, and it starts with love. How many know holy? Be holy. Be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So that is a command, and holy is, is just, is righteous, how many know when God asked you for, to put $10 in the, in the, in the pot? He's not because he really needs $10. He's doing something for you. He's not for his own benefit. Uh, it's, it's, and he's pure like that. He's holy. He's just. He's fair. He's equitable. So God says, I want you to be like that too. He is just. He's not partial. He doesn't like some folks more than other folks. Or a, 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 I almost said species. But a, a race of people more than others. <laughs> and... Uh, it, because God is, 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 is just. He is kind. Remember what the Bible says? Be ye kind one to another. So how many know the Lord is always kind? And so that's one of the communicable things that we're supposed to be. And the Lord is faithful. How many know we all say God is faithful? Uh, Old Testament is full of it. And how many know we're supposed to be like God in that area? Everybody understand where I'm going with this? Right. Now, and, and God is present. See, God is here. And God says, one of the attributes I want you to have is to be present. When you're there at home, don't be always thinking about work and where you need to be or church and where you need to be. Be there and be present. Be with your children, your grandchildren, and your focus is on them. And when you're at work, don't wish you was home or thinking you ought to be at home. Be wherever you're at, be present, because God is like that. So God says, and, and, and there's a million more of these things. I only had room for six. And so God says, these are how I want you to be right here. I want you to be like this. Oops, faithfulness. I want you to be just like this. And this is how I want you to be. Now, there are some attributes of God. We all have these down, don't we? Right. And God's not going to judge you. You're not crossing a death line when you do any of these things. And God would say, he's so frustrated. He's just so kind. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. <laughs> he is just so fair, so just, so faithful. Because he always does what he says he's going to do. I just don't know what we're going to do. No, God says, good for you. Those are my attributes that I want you to be like. However, my friend, there are other attributes that God says, no, 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 no. You try to be more like this in these lists, and on the day you do it, you're going to die. Not fall over dead. There's going to be something in your relationships something in your dreams, something in your vision, something in possibilities that's going to die. What was the attribute of God there? It's immutability. God says, I am the Lord, thy God, and I change not. Hebrews says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Who's ever known any people that says, I'm going to be like God, and I'm not changing either? Ah, I bet your grandkids hate your guts. I'm not going to change. I'm just waiting for things to get back to normal. They're not going to. And depends on how much immutability you've got working in you is how much of the death line you've crossed. What kind of death it brings to you. I'm not going to change. Just where I was raised and I believe and I believe and I believe. Good for you. 
Hope you're raised right. I th hope I was raised right. But an unwillingness to change. If I was speaking to a different crowd, I'd say an unwillingness to grow. Unwillingness to develop. Unwillingness to get out of that little mindset that you've been in for way too long. Another one is sovereign. How many know God is sovereign, but you are not? God can say, I can do anything I want to, and you're not going to tell me what to do. I don't have to give an account. You know, God doesn't have to give account to anybody. He's God. And how he works things. He doesn't say, you think it's okay? Let's take a vote in church. You think it's okay? No, no, no. He's sovereign. And about the time you try to be sovereign, they're going to get fired. You're going to get divorced. You're going to get written up. Because sovereignty was not one of the things that's been given to us. Preach some more, Pastor. I think I will. Omniscient. You know what omniscient is? All-knowing. <laughs> Did you ever talk to somebody? And they wouldn't have said it right out loud, but they think they're omniscient. They know everything. They haven't learned anything in years. If you don't believe it, listen to all of us, old guys especially. We watch the news and we see the Ukraine situation and the Russia situation, and there's all kinds of people. I'll tell you what they ought to do right now. I'll tell you what they really, you're going to tell them what they ought to do with limited information on global politics, right. how things work. I'll tell you what they need to do. Really? Well, I'm so glad you got the gift that you know everything about everything. <laughs> Who knows anybody who thinks they know it all? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You got to ride home with her. <laughs> Haven't learned anything in years. Preachers that preach the same old thing over and over and over and over and over again. The same old thing over and over and over again. Nothing fresh, nothing new, because they already know that. When you quit being curious, Wondering. That's why children, that's why Jesus said, become like a child. Wonder how things work. Wonder about things. Not just question authority and all that. Wonder how things work. Why things work, why some things don't work. Another one is almighty. Just, you can do anything. Remember, you and you're young, you see people do, <coughs> excuse me, extreme sports. And they just think they're all, they could never get hurt until you see them on crutches or a back brace or a wheelchair or something. It's just you're, we're not almighty. Omnipresent. You never know anybody who wants to be omnipresent? They're not just present. They want to be everywhere. And so they run video cameras so they can keep an eye on their employees so they can be there and they can watch and they can know what's going on. And they're trying to be everywhere all at one time, and they're usually nowhere at all. They're not present because they're omnipresent. They're trying to be all over the place. Or the last one. And, and again, the list here goes on and on. I just, we don't have all day. Vengeance. Uh, Jesus, I mean, uh, Hebrews says, leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance belongs to who? You? No. See, when you take vengeance out, you cross a death line. Because that doesn't belong to you. We giggle and laugh about omniscience and immutability. 
but you do me wrong, buddy, and you're going to pay. Ah, you're stepping across a line that kills you, brings death to you. We can't see it. None of us can see that. I don't know why. What, what, uh, I don't know why there doesn't seem to be the life of the Spirit there. Why isn't there freshness of vitality? I tell you, it could be something as silly as taking retaliation on your own. Well, they did me wrong, and they deserve, they probably do. That's why God says leave room, because that's a gun too heavy for you to carry. And you'll end up hurting yourself. You'll end up shooting yourself in the foot or other places. Amen. Blow your head off, and it'll kill you. It'll sap the life from you. And I'm not denying that they were wrong or evil and did, did terrible things. I'm not denying any of that. But it's not the attributes that God has said that we're to carry. See, Paul says it in, in the book of Jude. There's only one chapter, so it's verse 6, and it's not in your bulletin, but the reference is, it says, angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. He says, when Satan fell, there are angels that did not keep their positions of authority, but they fell with him, and they abandoned their proper dwelling place. God is kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment. See, in the workplace, we call it, they didn't stay in their lane. They didn't stay in their own job. They tried to run everybody else's department too. They didn't manage their own things or manage your own self. Wouldn't get to work on your own time, but you just complained about everybody else that wasn't doing whatever you thought they ought to do. Wouldn't learn a new way of doing whatever widget you make. They, they, they would just refuse to learn anything. I'm not going to do it that way. Ah, oh, you're like the angels that stayed out of the, out of the, got out of their lane. See, I'm not talking heaven and hell stuff here. I'm talking about helping you to be successful in life, in your relationships. Jesus says, what does it matter if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And he's not talking about the soul going to hell, but you lose who you really are. And this is who you're called to be, not this. And people that have a clear line of distinction between these two can spend their lives right here becoming exactly what God wanted you to be. Being made and conformed into the image of an eternal God. See, Paul understood this. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy's the young pastor. Paul's the aged apostle. And he says, Tim, uh, it's in your bulletin there, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. So he said, Timothy, you got guys in your church there? You, you know, you desire to be an overseer? That's a good thing. An overseer would be elder, bishop, pastor, whatever it is you would want to put words there. An overseer, it's a good thing. And then Paul goes on in the next five verses to list, you know, all kinds of requirements, and, and we're not going to talk about them today. But verse 6, he says something really interesting here. He says, he must not be a recent convert. Another translation says a novice, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. If you got a young buck that's just fairly came to Jesus and he starts being used by God and everyone says, oh, how wonderful you are, how great you are. And he says, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and he gets all puffed up just like the devil did. 
And he says, I am hot stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, on and on, whatever you'd say in your own mind. Paul says, don't do it to a new convert. They don't understand the difference between them and here. This death line has not been worked in them of any kind of significance. So a young convert would think he's really special, really fabulous, and he, might, he would fall into the same condemnation that the devil did. Are you with me so far? The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, uh, and I'll paraphrase it for you because it would just take the whole bulletin to put it in. Paul said 14 years ago, he's not sure if he was dead or alive, in the body or out of the body. And he says, concerning revelations and visions. See, Paul was always having to defend himself. We thought, man, if Paul were alive today, we'd just give him the red carpet treatment and let him talk as long as he wanted. But people always attacking Paul, usually because they're jealous. When religious people attack one another, they're usually jealous. And so Paul said, went on about all he had done. He said, now let's get the visions and revelation. He said, 14 years ago, I was caught to the highest point of heaven, the third heaven, he calls it. And he says, the highest part of heaven. And he said, I heard things there that a man should never be able to speak about. I heard things that's unlawful for even to talk about. He said, I saw things there. How many know Paul wrote the New Testament, basically, and explained how the body of Christ worked? Where do you think he got that information? He got it straight from Jesus himself. And Paul says, I was caught way over my head, way over my head, in areas that I had no business being in. And lest I should be exalted above measure, lest I should become conceited and thinking I'm really special. Paul says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to give me hard times, sent to buffet me. A messenger to remind me that I am the creature, not the creator. I am the creature, not the creator. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. And I prayed three times that it might depart from me. Three different seasons of his life, Paul prayed. He just didn't pray morning, noon, and night. Well, I guess that's, no, different seasons of his life. And God comes back to him and he says, Paul, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. I don't want you to ever forget that you are not the creator, but you are the creature. So Paul says, therefore, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our American culture works really hard to gain independence from our need of God. I just wish I had enough money that I didn't have to trust God anymore. That's a noble cause. <laughs> well, I just wish I had this, that, and the other. Just, you know how it goes. Who's ever been broke, poor way too long? And you think, I should be better off than I am and always got to trust God for this and trust God for that. And God says, yes, yes, yes. And when you get a lot of money, would you trust me then? God says, I'll fix it, so you will. 
See, Paul says, I'm not working toward independence. I'm pretty happy in dependence. I'm delight in these hard times I go through, in affliction, persecution, distress. Because I understand that when I am weak, then I am strong. Constantly reminder of who the creature and who is the creator. Musicians, come. I'm going to wrap it up. Hannah, you can take this thing down if you want. I'm done with it. I mean, lovely assistant. That's what I meant to say. See, when we step into God's face, go ahead and take it, and take and not receive, we're doing what Lucifer did. Same thing that the devil did. I want this worship for me. And we take and quit receiving. And then it gets all messed up. We cross death lines and nothing good ever happens out of that. What I've learned, if I will be absorbed in the communicable, the love, the purity, being holy, being just, being righteous, being faithful, if I'll observe and absorb myself in that side and make that my goal, make that my aim, all of a sudden God doesn't dump sovereignty on me, but I call it in my notes a, a squirt a bit of sovereignty there. You're not the Almighty, but you do have influence. But you don't get influenced by trying to take it. You get influenced on the right side of that page by doing what you're supposed to have been done all along. God will put you in a spot with more money than you know what to do with. Because you've been faithful when there wasn't enough money to go around. God will give you more influence than you know what to do with because you were faithful when no one would listen. He'll open the eyes of your understanding. We're going to sing that song in a minute. He'll open the eyes of your understanding so you have to be a rum dumb all your life. You can understand the ways of the Lord. Doesn't mean you're omniscient, but God says, let me give you a little more, Delmer. Let me give you some understanding. You're not immutable, but you can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because someone needs somebody who is stable in this culture that we live in. It's not changing every single day. He said, I'll work that in your life and I'll grace your life with these kinds of attributes of mine that if you take them, they'll kill you, but if you'll receive them, they'll bring life to you and to your hearers, Paul says to Timothy. To those that listen to you, those that watch online. It's God's goal. Jesus said in Luke, uh, uh, John 14, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Revelation 20 says, now the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of, of our God and of his Christ. And he is building a kingdom of kings and priests. Revelation 26, that we might rule and reign with him forever. That's why I called it officer's training. This life, it, it doesn't mean big shots or little shots, famous or not. It has nothing to do with any of that. 
It's people that have learned how to rule, first of all, their own spirit. Paul says, possess your own vessel in holiness and purity who've learned to rule and reign because that's what God wants us to do in the world yet to come. It is not sitting on a harp, a cloud strumming a harp somewhere. It's ruling and reigning over his immense universe. And he's commissioned his church to do that. To establish and to recognize where God is king. And I promise I'll quit. Paul says it in Philippians 3.12. It's, it's not in your notes, but the reference is. He says, not that I have already obtained. He says, I haven't. But I press forward to lay hold of that which has laid hold of me. Paul said, I understand that I was apprehended by God. I want you to know, I want you to know online, dear friend, you've been apprehended by God. And Paul said, I want to lay hold of him who's laid hold of me. Not for the blessings that come with the kingdom and all that kind of stuff, but to lay hold of him who has laid hold of me. God has laid hold of you. And I would challenge you to lay hold of him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these dear people who have patiently listened to me this morning. Lord, our prayer is that your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life like your will is done in heaven. In our world, in our community of faith, which involves us that are here this morning and those that will hear this message sometime, someday. I pray that in Jesus' strong name.